weeks ago, uh, we um, invited Nelson Millman, the oh, hello, Bob. program director, hi, uh, of the uh, fan to uh, join us on the program. And uh, for reasons that I uh, can't recall, quite frankly. No, hold on. Hold on. This is your idea. You yeah, did it right from the beginning. You no, said, but I can't remember why I did it, John. <laughs> you know, this was such a great 50 minutes. Let's do part two. Are you crazy? Part two. Well, I thought the first one went well, um, but perhaps I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were wrong. And you are whom? Please, guest, sign in and mention your name. Oh, yeah, it's Hill. It's Nelly. So, uh, thanks, Bobby. Yeah, Nelson Millman was the uh, program director of the fan in the uh, early days of uh, that escapade. And uh, we got telling stories, and I thought we'd do some more of that. And maybe it's a bad idea, but we'll find out in about uh, 30 minutes or sooner, perhaps. <laughs> I think we already know. <laughs> so, here's one of the things that, that occurred to me. When the fan in Toronto launched in 1992, yes, um, it was about, correct me if I'm wrong here, and I might be, uh, about four years after WFAN in New York. Is that accurate? I think they launched. Yeah, it sounds about right. And at I that think. point, do you remember how many all sports radio stations there were in the world? I think there were three. I want to say uh, the fan in New York, Whip in Dallas, in um, Philly. Philadelphia. Oh. And the ticket in Dallas, although they might not have been called the ticket at that time. I tell you right now, I when I moved to Toronto in September or yeah, September of '92, I moved from a city that had an all sports radio station, KFAN in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Oh, there you go. They had gone on the air, I think, January first of '92. The point being that this was a completely new um, medium. Uh, format, for lack of a better term. And if I remember correctly, WFAN in New York really decided, I mean, there were sports talk shows out there. I did one almost exclusively at night on various stations across North America. So you'd have somebody would sit down and open phone lines up and, um, and do sports. And during the day, they've had some other kind of program, usually music. But when WFAN launched, it was the first effort to do 24-hour all-sports. And, of course, the prognosis was was bleak. Although, uh, didn't they have a morning show that really wasn't all-sports? Because Don Imus yeah, was, I was there. Yeah, I think Imus, Imus was Not at the, the very beginning. And, yeah. Not the, at the very I, you beginning. You know, and that's what I couldn't remember, whether he was there right from the start. No, at the very beginning, they did not. It's not unlike ESPN, who at the beginning, you'll recall, until noon. We're did, supposed to do business, business business and then they had exercise shows remember those no you do i you you remember those exercise shows giddy up <laughs> so um 20 minute workout the point being that it morphed from 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 traditional sports talk and there'd be many people out there too young to know how this format started and and it was phone in it wasn't interviews, it wasn't call out, it wasn't guests. It was host sits down, opens the phone lines, fans call in about whatever topic, and away you go. Am well, I right? and you know, Bob, I used to say about the rate about the fan, we're a talk station. The topic just happens to be sports. 
so really the format grew as you say through you know it's the extension of the the news talk format or just the talk format at that time and um and, and yeah nobody was getting yes they were they were there to uh, be the voice of the fan but isn't it isn't that really i mean a lot of american all sports stations are still based on calling Oh, based on the fans and you know that's where th that's the classic difference between what uh, you two guys did in toronto versus what most of the format is in most of the rest of the continent is it's a you know when you when you talk about uh francesa and all he did on on wfn in the afternoon a lot of it was you know, a few guests, but a ton of interaction with those yeah. crazed New York sports fans. Well, and I think the uh, the call-in format, and we did a lot of it, make no mistake. I mean, as, again, we were the voice of the fan, but we started to do the call-out because, you know, people are passionate about sports in Canada. People are life and death about sports in the United States. Right. And, and critical mass, how many callers, what are the perspectives? So it was a little bit, it was a little bit different here to, to try and do 10, 12, 14 hours a day just of, uh, of call-in. And I think that was the, the, you know, the precursor to the, to, to all the interviews that we did. But, but Bob, your show uh, on the old CJCL or CKFH, you always interviewed, didn't you? You always did interviews. Not at the very beginning, John. I mean, I started in the mid seventies. Yeah, you used to run records in the, when you started, but no, when no, you no. start, when you went to all sports, well, seventy-eight. Did. <clears throat> I didn't. The station did. Um, but yes, it started as a call-in format, and I started doing one. I did one day a week, and then went to two days a week, and then went to five days a week, and we were the first to do five days a week. Um, Dick Beddoes had done a show for a number of years. Uh, after Leaf Games, um, which was a call-in rant. And Dave Hodge did one day a week, did Mondays. Not very often, though, guys. I was part of that. I, I was I was a young guy at CFRB at the time. And it wasn't, it was, you know what, Bob? It was once a month. Well, he got, it got to the point, John. I don't know about the very beginning. I can't, I confess, yeah. but I know that David did, Mondays. He did one day yeah. a week, uh, for an hour or something, I think. Yeah. Seven days. Uh, yeah, no, that was only an hour. And Dave Dave was adamant about getting guests uh, and hated talking to the fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and then I got thrown into it and uh, we wound up going five days a week and it very nearly failed. This is before Nelson and I knew each other and um, it got to the point where it almost... It, it, well, I, I can recall shows where I did two hours with two phone calls in two hours. Oh, my God. And no guest. Alone in the studio for two hours and and begging people to call. I mean, half the show was probably me plugging the phone number. Um, but that evolved um, over time. And um, I'm intrigued, Nelson, by what were you looking for in terms of talent? And I ask that because the the whole thing I was talking about earlier, I mean, this is the fourth or fifth radio station of its kind in the world. There really was not a lot to go on. There was no breeding ground 
for talent. So, I mean, what if you, if you sat down and wrote, um, um, you know, a criteria of here's here's what I'm looking for? What the hell would have been on that? Well, uh, okay. Do you have opinions? No matter what the topic is, can you support those opinions? Can you can you defend your ideas? Can you uh, uh, entertain? And not be, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to be able to use the language in such a way that you compel me to keep listening. It's, as you know, you're looking for some people who are a bit of actors. They get on the air and they can do a show. Not everybody can do that. I said lots of people can talk about sports. Lots of guys, lots of men and women can talk sure. about sports. But how many can talk about it? So I want to be, I want to listen to what they have to say. Right. And we, you know, we built this thing on that around the bar guys yelling at each other about the various merits of the goaltender or the, or the quarterback. So it, it, you needed to be able to present your ideas in an entertaining manner, defend your positions and create an emotional attachment with the audience. You know, it's, it sounds a little esoteric, but really that's what it is. In terms of specific skill sets, do you speak, you know, how well do you speak the language? What words can you use? How can you convey your ideas no matter what they are? So who rattle off some of the names of the people that you remember at the very beginning of this thing. Well, you know, it, it, we started, keep in mind when we started, as you said, there was no, there, there was no farm system for this. We hired exactly. a lot of people out of, out of the newspaper industry, sure. whether it was Damien Cox or Steve Simmons or Mary Ormsby, who to this day, I wish, uh, I wish had a radio show. Um, uh, you know, so when you go back, we were trying to find people who had established themselves in one way, shape or form as oriented to sports. And then you know, part of my job or the program director's job is to coach those people to the point where they become that kind of compelling personality. But, but realistically, Nelson, um, me. your background in radio wasn't a background in sports radio. No. Well, you so have, so uh, this was exist. the blind. No, that's what I was. This was the blind leading the deaf at some point, wasn't it? I mean, well, a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, none of us uh, when we started. Keep in mind, Alan Davis was who's in Buffalo now, just having a ball. Uh, was the first PD, so he had been. You know, we had the Blue Jays and the Leafs, so the the sports programming was in place. He got the philosophy. They spent a lot of time doing the research to to see what um, what was going on on the fan or the ticket or, 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 or whip or K fan mm -hmm. um, and brought forth some of those ideas in terms of how to build the, the content. But it always came back to the personalities. And you know, when we launched the station, so uh, you know the first the first morning show was uh, uh, Mike Inglis and Joe Bowen and Barb DiGiulio big personalities. Mike, Mike had, I think, other, other skill sets that he was more suited to for, uh, you know, he's still doing he wanted play to be a play-by-play play guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he had been when he came to the fan, um, when we launched. So the, the search for talent, the search for the broadcasters, you needed to find people with potential and who would 
with the exception of Bob, actually sit down and have have a conversation and listen to suggestions and discuss how to become more compelling broadcasters. Um, were there abject failures? Were there were there people who came in and absolutely could not do it? I don't mean I don't want you to name names, but. Um, you know, there's so obviously yes. in any profession, there are degrees of success and ability. And um, broadcasting, you don't have a lot of time to prove yourself, work on things, get it right, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's the negative in the business. Yeah, le the lots of changes took place at the mm -hmm. fan over the years, of course, that at, 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 as at any radio station. But were there people that just could not do it? Yeah, absolutely. There were um, not. A, yeah, I mean, I, no I, names. We don't gonna, need to. No, no, that. we're not going to talk about names. But I think both on the air and off the air, um, you know, sports, sports on its own is a pretty tough business. Um, mm -hmm. You need to have a thick skin. Um, you need to be able to uh, uh, adapt and adjust based on not just the stories, but your, your environment. Um, yeah, there were people that, that, that I put on the air. I thought, okay, well, we tried. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather make mistakes of aggressiveness than, than passiveness. But I was also a big believer in patience. If I've hired somebody and put them on the air, then it was up to me to give them every opportunity to succeed. Define patience, how long was patience? You know, John, that's a tough one. You you would know that. There's there's no there's no criteria, right? It's like, okay, I'm sick of this guy. I'm yeah. What have I done? Okay, how do we get out of this so it doesn't cost me that much money? I well, okay, so a, what, do you remember? I walked what, out of a studio. I walked out of a studio and said after the first show and said, "Oh, what have I done?" Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, and so did I. <laughs> All right. What's the short shortest tenure of anybody? Like that was so wrong for the job that you went, I, I can't, I can't, I can't stretch this out six months or a year. Well, when you keep in mind that we really only had five slots and everything else fit in around those. Yeah. Um, it was the, it was some of those other pieces, but you know, you try and give something, uh, you know, a little bit of time. If you believe in the decision you've made, yeah. um, you try not to give up. Uh, you try not to give up too quick. But in terms of of length of time, uh, you know, three months. I tell you what. I'll give you. I'll give you the reverse of this. You hired a guy that I thought was never going to be any good, and McCallum became... was there before I got there. <laughs> Other than Bob, you hired a guy <laughs> that I thought. You know, why is he doing this? This is this is this is old boys club. And he actually did an amazing job, and that was the late, great Pat Marsden. I thought mm -hmm. Pat was going to be an abject failure in the morning. Um, you know, I had been told, I, I had mutual friends of Pat's, and they said, this guy is the consummate broadcaster, more talent in his big toe than anybody else. But Pat had, you know, gone down other alleys. Issues. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but I'll uh, tell God you God bless him. I, you know, I love Galvin, Pat. He, 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 he made the morning, and with all due respect to everybody else that did it, including Landry and Stellick, he made the morning show. 
You know, and well, Bob, I, Bob, Bob was there too for a while, but Pat Marsden made the morning show better. Well, I think what it did, it has brought us some sports credibility in the morning. And you have to remember that when we, we hired him, he was working with John Derringer, who, you know, for... Uh, was a, a very is a very talented broadcaster as proven by the longevity of his career. Yeah. So I had I had you know we had this guy in afternoon drive that had all the credibility in the world. We needed Shulman? to Shulman? no um, McCowan. Uh, John. Oh. <laughs> well, it's almost Shulman too, but. Um, <laughs> And we needed to do something to, to 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 prop up the morning show at that point, and you know there were some people that had come through there. And listen, I think I think between Pat and Bob, that was the success of the radio station, certainly through uh, through the '90s. Um, uh, Pat just brought us that level, and <laughs> there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't love dealing with Pat in one way, shape, or form. He he called me names that I'd never heard before, um, but it was fine. Uh, so we had those two solid anchors in the morning uh, morning drive and afternoon drive, and then when John moved back over to Q one hundred seven, and Don went in there, um, Don Landry. we had Don Landry. Yeah, we had some of those same characteristics that. I think made primetime sports so great, which was Bob, the young guy, and uh, working with uh, uh, with some co-hosts who, you know, shaky. Yeah. Um, so it was it was those differences in the personalities. I think, like any great show, if you have three three people with the same personality, you're not engaging anybody. So we it was the differences in those personalities. So. Um... Well, all, hold on before we before we do that. No, I want to go like... back to Marsden. Don't go too far away from Marsden. Okay, okay, you go to Marsden. You can well, go. Um, we all love Pat. Yeah, uh, uh, but here's here's the thing about Marsden, and I think most people know this. Um, Pat never saw a bottle of anything alcoholic that he didn't like, and um, loved to party, loved to socialize, and when I say party, I I mean, sit down with his pals and drink. And it would literally start many times in the early afternoon and not conclude until the very early morning. And there are many stories of miracles where Marsden was carried out of an establishment, literally carried out of an establishment unconscious and scheduled to go on the air in two or three hours. So to the best of your recollection, how many times did Marsden DNS not show up? Once. One time. He missed one show. Wow. He, I, you know what? I've no, no that doesn't how. mean we're, that doesn't mean we're, we're endorsing drinking, but you know. No, no we're not endorsing it at all. We're just being honest. He yeah. never missed a show. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where he was an hour before the show started, but. He uh, he, oh, he knew could if turn he was going to do the point. crime. If yeah, he knew he he was a total pro. Yeah, that that and that was that was always his mo when he was at uh, on television as well. So and and he, he could perform. He was a great performer. So Bob, why Absolutely. didn't you like the why didn't you like the mornings, Bob? 
you, you you were there. What was the toughest? What, why did you, why didn't you like the morning? Well, I kept saying no to it. Um, John Ray was the station manager at the time, and um, I guess they decided that um, they weren't happy with Mike in the morning, and they kind of I think they said, well, let's see if McCowan will do it, or if not, Shulman will do it. Uh, and, and maybe it was the other way around. Anyway, Danny didn't want to go, and I didn't want to go. And the story is very simple. Uh, one night, um, I was living 124 steps from the radio station. I could see it out my front window. And one night, John Ray, who was the general manager, Nelson? Yeah, he was the GM. Said, uh, let's go to dinner. And so we walked down um sudan to mount pleasant and there was an italian restaurant or something there and we we walked in there and we sat down literally just sat down i don't think we even ordered a drink yet and john ray who was a nelson will attest to this did you ever know john um oh yeah john oh, I, oh yeah I, I did yeah yeah absolutely. so pretty quiet guy not prone to extravagances or outrage or over the top <laughs> shit S banged his fist down on the desk and said all right how much to do the morning show and i said john I, i'm not interested in doing the morning show no i want how much to do the morning john it isn't about money i don't i don't want to change my lifestyle i'm happy doing prime time happy in the afternoon blah blah blah, blah. everything i i don't i i, I want to help you but i don't want to do it and he grabbed a piece of paper and took a pen out of his coat pocket, slid it across the table and said, write it down. And he was getting a little irritated. And I'd never seen this from him. So, oh. And I love the guy. I think we all did. And, and so I wrote down a number that I thought, there is no chance he's going to pay me this amount of money. Not a chance in hell. And I slid it back across the table and I figured that'd be the end of it. And he looked at, he picked up the paper and he looked at it. And he went, All right. And then reached his hand out to shake my hand. And of course, and I've told this story many times before, my immediate reaction was, oh, what have I done? Shit. <laughs> Too low. Too low. <laughs> I didn't go high enough. I could have go gone high more. enough. I, I thought I went high more. enough. He, I was sure <laughs> I went high enough. He'd say, I can't afford that. Uh, and yeah. he said, okay, so now I'm stuck. And I did two years of the morning show. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, you get up at 3 34 o'clock in the morning. You know, you completely. I did for 15 years. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know how you did it for 15 years. Now you get into the pattern, but the whole time you're doing it, you know, I don't want to live like this. I know that, that. I mean, that's uh, Every I, day. I, I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. It's just years in Vancouver. Yep. It's horrific. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't know, Nelly, did you take naps in the afternoon every once in a while or all the time? See, are Some you days, kidding me? Yes. When, that, when that door was closed, he was napping in the office. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, when he had his chair turned around, when he had his chair turned around, you know, oh, and the door was closed. It looked like he was on a phone call. He was. Asleep. I was doing. I was doing the morning show. Trust me, I didn't have an office. <laughs> yeah. 
and then your weekends are totally screwed up because you every once in a while you try and turn them around so you're having friends over and you know they're going to yeah. want to stay till two three o'clock in the morning and you know and you try Sunday and do that yeah. and then you're Some, then you're messed up for a week Sunday okay. at 2 so p.m never, I start okay to you guys let's talk let's start talking about sleep patterns stop it uh you brought it up how many times did you fire Bob, Nelly? How many times did you fire Bob? I never fired Bob. Zero. Okay. How many times did the companies that you were, were both working for fire Bob? Twice. Well, it was one before. There was at least one before you. There was one before me. That so why was did you fire, that, why, uh, why was yeah. Bob fired when he was doing all sports? Well, he wasn't. Never fired in your time. Oh, from the morning uh, from the morning show. Well, yeah. I, there was a gap. I think yeah. they, agree, they agreed to part ways. I wasn't running the station at that point, so I would. Well, they didn't agree that. to part ways. Makowitz came in. Makowitz came in as the program director, and you fired your ass. Well, you were making was, too much money. No, he had he had his own ideas about how he wanted the station to to move forward. Well, actually, he had been at Q one hundred and seven as the program director. And John Derringer, the aforementioned, mm -hmm. was his afternoon drive guy, I think. And John was very successful. Time. And Makowitz was, was made program director of the fan. And, decided, and John was in Montreal. And he decided his pal Derringer would be a better host for the morning show than I was. And probably was. But that was the essence of it. So... The rumors started floating around and I heard about it and I went into Makowitz and I said, you know, what the bleep's going on? And he, to his credit, he acknowledged, this is four months before my contract was up, that they were going to get rid of me and bring Makowitz in or uh, bring uh, Derringer in. And so I, as a soldier, I, uh, I did the last four months mm -hmm. and then left. And uh, you weren't at my going away lunch, were you, by any chance? I don't remember. No, I don't think so. So after I left, the Wednesday, uh, the Friday was my last show, and I said my goodbyes. And um, somebody said, we want to do a going away lunch for you. I mean, really? Like, you fired me. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, Don Pagnuti was there sure. and Makowitz was there and Nelson help me who was the guy from Jim McCubry Jim McCubry was the president of telemedia uh, he was the CEO I think yeah okay and I knew McCubry a bit McCubry was a seemed like a good guy he every once in a while he'd come down to the radio station and try and be one of the boys which he could never could never be but so he was there and and we go to lunch and you know, we're all kind of standing around waiting for the table to be ready. I don't know, it was maybe eight of us. And I had no idea what the hell was going on. And McCubrey leans over to me and whispers in my ear. And I'll never forget these words. He says, McCowan, this was a mistake. It shall be corrected. I had no concept that this was going to happen. And lunch proceeds. Not a word is said. After the meeting, Makowitz pulls me over and says, We'd like to talk to you about another idea we have, blah, blah, blah. And, and that created a whole series of meetings and saw me go back to do 
um, primetime afternoon drive. Now that, Shulman, but, Shulman was going off to do the Blue Jays. He was going to do T Blue Jays on TSN, wasn't he? TSN, yeah. Yeah. And of course, I mean, I've told the story before, I know many times, but but I felt like I had them, you know, in my hand. So I made outrageous demands and made them come to my house. I I was always I always had home soil, home field advantage, made them come to my place to negotiate. And at the end of the day, I got what I wanted. And part of what I wanted was I wanted to start on a Friday, which I did. So I made my comeback on a Friday. And at the end of the, that, sh that first show, I announced I was going on three weeks vacation. So I literally did one show and then <laughs> screwed off for a vacation I didn't need. Yeah, that was just, yeah, just my way of saying, you know, uh -huh. you screwed up and I, now I got you. Yeah, and left me scrambling to figure it out. Yeah, Thanks. too bad. So, so when you when you look at, it's funny. I, there's there's lots of people that went through the the front door, the back door of, of the fan over the years. Um, when you see Kenny Daniels in Detroit, when you see George Drombolopoulos doing what he's doing, when you see Merrick on Wednesday night hockey, uh, I mean, all those guys did a lot of their big work and early work at your place. And well, you that's the that, Nelson. John, you're right, though. Uh, Nelly, uh, at best you can remember, like you mentioned Strombo. Strombo, uh, there were so many guys that started at the fan and oh, started yeah. on, not on air, but as board ops, sure. pushing buttons or, or, producers. or producers or whatever. So what do you think? I want to know what, what, when you, when you, what goes through your mind? Listen. Elliot Friedman, you know, the, the list is endless. And, and you know, and, and people forget, or maybe they don't forget, uh, that for a long time, we put the TSN guys on on the radio as well. So yeah, we, we did. That was 11, 11 to noon, right? Yeah, there's the bullpen, uh, 10 till noon. Um, but there's, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of people scattered throughout the uh, the industry who have come through the fan at one time, at one time or another. Um, we were a terrific training ground every time, you know, when headline sports uh, uh, went up, what they do? They came to us and, and took a bunch of, uh, of people from... from uh, that happened over and over station. again, didn't it? Yeah, uh, same thing when the team uh, launched on Chum in, in yep. the early 2000s. So we were, you know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of flattering that on the one hand, on the other hand, where else were the other companies going to find experience well the same way you did newspapers newspaper yeah exactly and i mean let's face it without newspapers i'm not sure where radio would be period whether even news radio i mean for the from the beginning of time when in doubt let's get a newspaper guy because he can speak allegedly well they couldn't all speak but um but what they did what they did bring was knowledge and information and credibility right. And when newspapers had a different, you know, I think a different influence back. Well, one of my favorite Nelson expressions, and he's used it a million times to the point of boredom, is um, radio is a medium, Nelson. TV's a large. And that's why you didn't go and get TV people so often, because they were, well, first of all, they're all egomaniacs. 
Um, and if what any, about those guys who are on radio and TV? Or, uh, uh, them I, too? I speak I from know. experience in that regard. <laughs> so, um, but they all got paid more money and they all wanted to be on television and they didn't want to go to radio. Um, now, if it was a side deal to make a few extra bucks, sure. But TV people are TV people. So where else are you going to go, John? You know, if you if you, TV people, generally speaking, wouldn't didn't want to do it or didn't have time to do it, and newspaper people. Oh no, they would do it. They just wanted to get paid a lot of money. Well, yeah. But you see, that's guys. That's where I come back to. You know, finding the right people with potential. So Elliot Friedman was an intern at the fan, worked his ass off, built his skill sets, got trained to a point where he could move to, you know, move on to bigger and better things. So it was, again, when you go back, it was up to me and the other program directors of the radio station at the time to find that unique talent. But at the same time, we had to have people with experience and credibility and you know to to round it out you need to be able to train people plus there's no more all-night shows i mean there's so many places where i think radio has lost the ability to properly train people um across all the formats you know news uh, music radio sports radio okay um, so let's so we have the, the the format that you created and or you were part of creating and in its heyday, the morning show was good. Uh, your day parts were okay. Prime time was prime time. Uh, would it work today? What to start? Would it work if you if, if you start if you said okay we're gonna you know Marsden and Landry, Bob's doing prime time. You put the best of the people you had between nine a.m. and four p.m. Would that format work today? Yeah, I'm not sure how to respond to that, John, because, you know, it was a, a, if you started it today, you're starting in an entirely different environment. Um, I'm not sure that the level of, of, of talent, for lack of a better word, um, uh, we had people we could draw on to bring credibility to it. Mm -hmm. Bob was a day oneer, if you will, so his credibility was built. Um, I still, you know, I'm, I'm a radio guy. I've been a radio guy, except for the two really unspectacular years. And oh, you had a fun, you had fun in television. You were, you had fun with the people. The people were fantastic. You had a um, laugh a minute, Nelly. You'd had a yeah, laugh a it was nothing but, nothing but laughs, John. Um, <laughs> you know, in radio, if I wanted to get something on the air, I could have it on the air tomorrow in, uh, in television it was like, eh, maybe November. Okay. Thanks. Um, but I, I, you know, we talked about this last time. It's, it still comes back to who are the personalities? Are you emotionally attaching to, to the audience? Are they attaching to you? What's, what's your habit in terms of where you get your information from and then try and change people's habits. And I think that, and I think that's changed so much mm -hmm. where people get their information from. I think it's changed so much. Well, not just sports, not just sports. No, it's uh, constantly evolving. I mean, this format, this podcast format is um, certainly a challenge to, uh, to traditional um, over-the-air radio. Here's, I mean, I have a million things, but... We're not going to do name, part three, are we? No. No. Name, name, I'm name not me. sure we're doing part two. Name me. <laughs> name me some... Well, here's the issue. 
So sports radio in Toronto since 1992, that's a long time. That's uh, 30 years. Um, you now have TSN radio, which has finally achieved some degree of, of success. Um, the team failed. You now have sport, all sports radio stations in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Montreal, Montreal Ottawa, Ottawa. Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Is there one in Winnipeg? Yes. Yes. Okay. So there's another one. Name me somebody who has come from a smaller market in sports radio to Toronto. And I ask this because, you know, we understand this, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the progression here. But normally, you start out in broadcasting, you go to um, Dopehead, you know, Saskatchewan and work at some 50-watt radio station that you can't hear across the street. And then if you're any good, you graduate to a bigger market, and then you go to a bigger market. And then eventually, if you're, if you're really good, you get discovered and you, you wind up in Toronto. That is the progression sure. everywhere. Of this, mm -hmm. That's how it works. Sports radio. That's how it used. That's how it used to work. Even in oh. sports radio. Even in oh, sports. You're, you're right. Um, you know what? Music radio still operates under the same under the same premise. Where in markets where there's jobs. All right. So name me somebody that came up through the system in sports radio in this country. Either I can one think of, of two. I, I can think of two people, but uh, and 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 you know they're both still alive and they're and, and they're both i believe still working but they didn't it didn't work in toronto and that's elliot price who came from montreal uh and uh andrew walker who got brought from calgary to toronto and has now since moved to vancouver those are two pretty short list huh oh yeah yeah no, no. i mean i i can't off the top of my head i without knowing the backgrounds of everybody but no they i mean that was the original intent was that it would there would be a farm system right. as there isn't or as there was in the united states where you would start off in bemidji and then move to minneapolis and from minneapolis go to but, but the problem Pittsburgh. but the problem becomes is when you do all sports radio and you're doing it in ottawa you better know every infinitesimal point about the red blacks about the senators, about the 67s, you are so tuned in in that market. If you come into that market as an outsider and you, or you come to Toronto as an outsider, you, you'll get exposed so quickly. Did you you'll ever get exposed? Did you ever try and hire somebody who, uh, that, that you thought could work and, uh, and they turned you down? That's you, Nelly. You know, I, I was uh, sorry, I couldn't hear the motor, uh, the wheels turning. Uh, somebody I tried to hire that turned me down. Um, was there any, oh, not even turned you yeah, down? Yeah, but it, it was, um, yeah, I, I, yes. The short answer is yes. And it was just, it was a case of uh, economics. In other words, you didn't want to pay or couldn't pay. Well, I wanted to pay. I just didn't want to pay what they wanted to make. <laughs> I, uh, we, I don't want to go too much longer here, but well, I do, but I, we won't. Um, what's the future of sports radio? And, and let me preface that by saying until the last couple of years, maybe until uh, while I was in it, I thought it's a format that will exist forever. Uh, that it will um, 
it, it probably didn't have any growth spurts left in it. Um, you have situations in local markets where if you have a team that's in a championship run and captures the imagination of the fans, you get a spike and a significant spike. But in a general sense, sports radio will be here forever. It is what it is, blah, 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 blah. I'm less sure now. How do you feel? Well, I think let's, uh, if we look at the United States, I think sports radio, um, I think they figured out a business model that works. The pure passion of people for the various stages of sports, everything from you know high school through to the professional teams um, and the critical mass. I think sports radio in the US has, has maybe has legs. Canada, you know, I, I, we asked, you know, we used to talk about this 10 years ago, Bob, what's the mm -hmm. future of sports radio? I think, I don't think it, 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 it's going to evolve a lot more other than uh, maybe different representation in terms of the on-air, the on-air talent. Um, has it become more fragmented? Absolutely. Will it find its level? You know, I think so. Um, it may not be the level it was years ago when we used to just call it a license to print money, um, but it will find it will find its level as long as people are in their cars. Um, yeah. And I understand the podcast thing. I get it. I hear it a lot. Certainly, just reaction from the last time we talked because you know I'm not a huge podcast guy. I don't. Um, when I'm in the car, I'm I'm usually on something live because I'm a radio guy. Uh, even even now, but I think as a, I, I think it will it will carry on as long as there's people who are passionate about their home teams. I don't see how it doesn't. John, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, I, I think it's changing. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that the question first of all, I think the pandemic, right? I mean, if you talk immediate time, yeah, that's the hardest coming this morning yeah. is is people aren't in their cars right now. Uh, yep. And and that's, that's that, and, and so in the short term, the answer is, I'm not sure what shelf life it has. When we get back to normal, and it's, it's taken me rather than 28 minutes to get from my house to downtown, and it's taking me an hour 28, that will change my world, as it will change everybody else's. I think that's a big factor. Um, the key thing is, is, I, I don't think the consuming public who listen to radio uh, are 25 to 30. I think that that market, even younger, they now go out and find the content they want and they download it and they listen to it. And I think but that that's, John, it, that's an older an, an older population, we used to oh, say sure. the same thing. At, at when, when you turn 50, you turn on CFRB. That was, you know, we're, we're, we're going back some time. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm approaching uh, a, 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 an age that's a little older than that. Um, I was in the sports business. You know, I don't really know yeah. that, you know, the passion, go, the passion does subside. But the, the one thing I want to mention is, and, you know, we've never talked about what happened during 9-11. When the radio station really became a great talk station we couldn't talk sports we had great guests and and i was thinking about this when larry king passed away only because we you know we had larry on i don't know how many times 
through that uh, through that period of time. I I think you know if you're getting great talk, if you're entertained by it, does it matter if it's coming from a podcast or out of your speakers? No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, Nellie. But but the problem becomes is as as radio people radio people try to say our audience is getting too old because I think this is happening. I think there are people saying that the, the, the people that normally watch radio or listen to radio are getting too old. Now we have to find a way to, uh, to attract younger listeners. And I think that there's really a gap in how people do that. I think, I think that there's a learning curve that has to happen on how to attract people, young people back to radio. And well, I'm but 20, sure 30 years happen. ago, what was the alternative? You know, I mean, the difference was 20, 30 years ago, young people listened to radio. They just didn't listen to no, talk radio. Talk, yeah, now no, they've got too no, many distractions. That's right. I mean, so now you're not just competing with radio stations. You're not competing with- Well, that's with, my with, point with, too. And, and you're, you're, you're competing with, you know, the World Wide Web. And, and you know, this but is radio, But radio is not going to disappear. Radio is not no, going to disappear. I, I didn't say it it's has to. Disappear. It has to change. It has to adapt to what the new realities are, yeah. and and I think in a lot of ways they have. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I don't disagree with I, that either. Well, it, and the problem becomes, and this is where business goes sticks up, is when you talked about how much money you guys used to make, the margins aren't what they are, and so the expectations of business aren't what they are when it comes to radio. And that's a bigger, that might be a corporate issue that companies look at when they bought radio stations saying, we're not making near as much money as we used to. What's going well, on I, here, I think, boys? Yeah, but you're talking, in this country, you're talking about three three companies that that predominantly own every radio station and every television yeah, station. But the government allowed that to happen too. No, no, I understand. And, you know, free much more of a free market uh, in, in the U.S., the, the other thing before we go is that uh, Nelson and I've had tons of conversations um, over the years and at points where we're not working, um, we would sit down and have a coffee and, and I, would, I would lament something and he'd say, Nelson would turn to me and say, John, it's not our turn anymore. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. Uh, and it, and it, has, it has kept me in a really good state of mind is that I can take a step back and don't feel any angst. I mean, I watched 13 hockey games last night, 13 hockey games I watched last night. And the old me would be bitching and complaining about that replay, the close-up. Did you hear that announcer? And every once in a while, I hear this voice in the back of my mind, and this Nelson Millman saying, hey, John, it's not our turn anymore. And and it's uh, it, it, those are wise words that I've used many times for myself and for a few of my friends over the last couple of years. Well, when I got rinsed out of Rogers, my wife didn't wait for more than 10 seconds to say that to me. God bless her. Thanks. Thanks for the commiseration, honey. Uh, yeah, yeah. A 44-year 44-year career just came to an end. It's not your turn anymore. Thanks. My wife, my wife wasn't as polite, and, she, and it wasn't about me that she was starting to swear. So, uh, to that on that note, give Susan a kiss for me, will you? I will haven't do that. Her, haven't seen her in a long time, and uh, we'll look forward to the end of this pandemic so we can all get together. That'd be fine. And um, uh, I guess without further ado, we've. Uh, 
we've come to the end of episode two, an episode that clearly John Shannon didn't think was merited in any way, shape, or form. Well, we'll, well the listeners will be the judge. Bob. Well, um, so um, episode three... I won't take will, it personally either way. Episode three will be coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that John won't, won't want to participate in it, no, so no. it'll just be you and I, Nelly. No, no, so okay, here's what happened. And, and so we'll have the opportunity to tell stories about Shannon that yeah. we're... You know, no, we no, so here, we're reluctant to tell happen. to his face. So here's, episode here's, three will will cover the mid two thousands then. <laughs> well, he's had such what, a negligible role in broadcasting in this country. Uh, really I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. No, we no. So here's what will happen. Here's I don't see what will happen. Any. Our our. Would you like? I can I can bring it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> so here's what will happen, Nelson. Just so you're clear on this, we will have a discussion via text with our production group who are we going to do well let's do Olbermann let's do Shulman Bob you pick we're doing Nelly yeah <laughs> my so pal when Bob when Bob picks it Bob makes it easy on Bob like he there's no yeah. going to the Rolodex there's no asking 17 guys to show up it's okay well uh, I don't have any ideas we're doing Nelly yeah, and I think I think that's fair. And and again, um, that's pretty much how I got every job. I can't find anybody else. I no, there are all kinds of guys out there that uh, that want to reinvent the wheel. Uh, there's only one that actually invented the wheel. So govern yourself accordingly. <laughs> or as Nelson as Nelson said before part one, who canceled? <laughs> Uh, you know, we love you and, uh, um, we miss, uh, I, I miss those days. I miss those days of, of marching into your office a quarter to four, putting my feet up on your desk, whether you liked it or not. And saying, you know, what the bleep's going on. That was called yeah, research, either, Bob. I was called research. I, I used to say I needed Bob to leave my office doing one of three things, either really pissed off at me, pissed off at the world or laughing. Uh, and, and then and, you could go. And they go do a show. It happened every day. It, it one, of those, <laughs> one of those three, and sometimes all three <laughs> happened oh. uh, every day. And um, I, um, of all the things I miss about uh, those days, I think that's uh, that 10 or 15 or sometimes two minutes is the part that I uh, miss the most. You know, we love you. And um, okay, Bill. somewhere down the road, love you back. We'll uh, right, you guys want to talk to you. Come on. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm getting kind of misty here. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you one down the hall, John. <laughs> for, Thanks, uh, boys. For uh, Nelson Millman, John Shannon, I'm Bob McCowan. That's the podcast. We'll see you on Friday. Thank you, everybody. Bye.